0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the evening, Jones. Uh, let me let me give you a little bit of a like, oh, Happy New Year, you know. Uh, let me give you a a, a little new, living in New York story, right? So, I ride the subway to work. A lot of people seem to be very surprised that I ride the subway, but I ride the subway. You know, like it's the easiest way to get around this city. And by and large, I can kick it. People be doing creepy shit though, like. I had a cat send me a picture in my Instagram DMs of me sitting on the train. And so I hit him back and I'm like, yo, man, you know, that's creepy, right? He's like, my bad. I didn't even know it was you. Okay. Like I've gotten in and had people put on their Instagram stories a picture of me talking about when you see your idol love, but you are too scared to talk to him. Hey, man. That's creepy. But anyway, by and large, people leave me alone. And when they do talk to me, they tend to be pretty cool about it, you know. So I'm riding the subway and I'm on the express. And then we get to a stop and man say that we got to get off and I get off and I'm trying to figure out why it is that we got to get off. And so I talk to the uh, the train driver. And the train driver is like, on the local, they got an unruly passenger. And so they got to wait for the police to come get this unruly passenger. And he was giving me some explanation as to how they needed the express to clear off the tracks so they could bring another local. Like, I that that the, the logic of that escaped me. Either way it went, it meant I was late to work because I had to get out and I had to walk like 20, 25 minutes to get to the gig from where the train station was that I was at, okay? And so after that, I listened in the train station and the announcement says something about how the train's not running. And the story on why it is that the train's not running is that they say it is a police investigation. Now, if you live in New York, and um, you follow any of like the subway Twitter accounts. You see, they use the word police investigation very often to explain what's going on or they'll call it uh police activity. That's the other one. They big on is police activity. Like these are the terms that they use. Dude, I don't want no investigation. Somebody was wilding out on the train. What exactly is it that y'all was out here investigating? Like, they just be throwing these words around willy-nilly. They be making it sound all like complex as hell. Like, nah, man, this ain't no police investigation. Somebody out here wilding out on the train. But that was not what I really took for that. Here's why I was confused. All right. So we have an unruly passenger on the train. That unruly passenger is making it such that the train can no longer run. I am assuming there were other people in the car with the unruly passenger. Otherwise, who would report that the passenger was, in fact, unruly? And I got to say, given all the different things I have heard about New Yorkers over time and everything else people be saying, I am a little disappointed in you guys. In that an unruly passenger is making it such that the train can't run. But y'all got to wait for the police to come make it happen. Y'all can't handle that yourselves. You know what I'm saying? Like I admit that there's something about living here that makes it such that you like outsource a lot of stuff that you wouldn't do otherwise. I order so much delivery food, for example, you know, because there's so many people that can come bring it to me. And I guess maybe it's gotten to happen. He's like, yo, we'll call the police and the, and the police will come bring order. But I feel like if it's one unruly passenger, it's got to be enough of y'all that's got to get to work where y'all can get that dude at the very least off the train. You know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't saying y'all got to beat him up or nothing like that, but at the very least, I feel like y'all can get him off the train. In fact, if you can't get him off the train, I feel as though, um, unruly is an inadequate description for this passenger. That being said, I have to admit in fairness to the New Yorkers, I don't necessarily want to have to touch nobody on the subway. Neither. In fairness. However, we got to get to work. And I feel like, Somebody needed to like come back and report back to me or something like that and give me a little better explanation as to why it is it went that way. That's all. That's all. Anyway. Let us move on. To your questions. Following up on your point about Kevin Hart today, why do you think in general it's so hard for people of different sorts of privilege to step back and consider the perspective of the marginalized? Now let's step this back a little bit, right? Like let's, let's go on some steps. So Kevin Hart went on to Ellen and is after, you know, people have found the tweets of him talking about like, if he had a gay son, you know, his his untoward reaction would be and stuff like that. Um, like, I, mean, I figure by now people are pretty aware of what happened. And then he went on Ellen, and I guess he's going to do some measure of apology. And Ellen gave her, I forgive him. And I mean, is it fair to say that Ellen DeGeneres is the most mainstream gay person in America? Cause I mean, and I mean, I, I, in fact, I don't even think it's necessarily like that close because I don't know how much more mainstream you can get at this point than Ellen DeGeneres is. But anyway, she said that she forgave him. And, of course, that got people being like, yo, you don't get to speak for nobody else, which is a totally understandable perspective um, on that matter. And I think that Kevin Hart thought that whatever apology he offered there and the tweet apologies that he offered were going to be enough for people. And the truth is, for those who were offended, not really. It didn't do the job. Um, Now you can make the decision yourself about whether or not you think that he is adequately apologized. I would just say that most of the people that I think are making the argument has offered adequate apology in this case. Like they're not gay, you know? So this is what he said on Twitter. He said, um, I have made the choice to step down for hosting this year's Oscars. This is because I do not want to be a distraction on a night that should be celebrated by so many amazing, talented artists. I sincerely apologize to the LGBTQ community for my insensitive words from my past. I'm sorry I hurt people. I am evolving and want to continue to do so. My goal is to bring people together, not tear us apart. Much love and appreciation to the Academy. I hope we can meet again. Now, I understand that people see this and they're like, okay, well, there's the apology. Here's the thing though. It was using like these vague terms, like insensitive, and went to the you know how I feel. I mean, a lot of you know how I feel about this damn term community, right? Most of these things that are so called communities ain't communities. You're not talking to communities, man. You're talking to people, you know? Like when people start talking about the black community, I'm like, whoa, like, I don't know how many black people you know, but it's a bunch of us. We different in a lot of ways. But anyway if you're going to try to walk something back like this now, and and I will preface this by saying, I don't care whether or not you think Kevin Hart should apologize or not. I'm just putting you up on game, right? If you are going to offer an apology under these circumstances, you're going to need to be more particular, Right. Like you're going to have to be like, hey, man, I what I was saying gave the impression that I advocate violence against people for their, you know, who they sleep with. In effect, who they are in effect, I mean, in effect, this is what it is for who they are. Um, I never really thought about this in the context of like what the long term harm is that something like this can do. I just thought I was out here telling a joke. But this is like way bigger than a joke now that I look at it. And yeah, no, nah, I'm off on that. The other thing I think that is worth noting is that like saying that stuff on Twitter. I remember when Tracy Morgan got in trouble because he is you know, somebody had gone to one of his comedy club shows. And he said something about Man, my son, i'll beat his ass. And I remember when that happened, I thought that there was a measure of overreaction to it. And the reason I thought that at the time is. I find Tracy Morgan to be absurd. Like I, like I found that to be an absurd statement by someone whose act is being absurd. Um, and that's something I need to revisit. And I think I've talked about this before. That's something that's worth noting is, you, you can like tell all kinds of jokes with people if y'all joking with each other if we're laughing with each other, most of the times when people are telling jokes about gay people, they just laughing at them. There ain't no with like the jokes that you can tell about them. Or not even can, but like the jokes that people are telling about them, right? Like, so what's going to happen? You go ahead, Like you think there's going to be a gay comic who gets on stage. If my son turned out to be straight, I would beat his ass. Ha ha ha. You see what I mean? Like they don't get to, they don't get to play with you that same way or anything close to it. That's before we even get to kind of like, Hey man, there are people who do and would beat their children for being gay. There are all kinds of people out here who beat up on folks because they are gay. Therefore, there's really not that much room to joke about it. Like you got to be a real high wire act, brilliant comedian to be able to pull that joke off. And Kevin Hart didn't pull it off. And so what's happened is people have not really been like that apology didn't work. You know, like I don't know what the hell y'all out here doing with y'all women. I guess I'll get to that in a second, but like that apology didn't work. And so what his response has been since that apology didn't work has been to to be defiant about the fact that he apologized in the first place and like, I'm a good dude, you know, like he's, he seems very upset that strangers don't know that he's a good dude. You know, like that's his big thing is how could you think I could do something like that? And I know that in my real life, that can often be like my natural reaction to some things. Like like, I can't believe you think I would even do that. Right. But he's not dealing with people that know him. He's not uh, not in, not in the way that is required for what he's talking about. And so he's being so defensive about it and the defense that he's offering is all is typically is, like, all of it is centered around him. And it doesn't really give an impression that like he understands why it is that this is a problem. It seems as though he understands that an apology would be professionally beneficial and certainly would be prudent. But it doesn't seem to give any implication that he gets why this was a thing. And if you've ever had somebody apologize to you just for the sake of apologizing without understanding what the problem is, that's infuriating. Nobody wants that. That's not really how it works. So, yeah, he's right. He's he's in a good morning America. He ain't going to apologize no more. Like, bro, you don't have to. Right. I would just say to you, the reason that you apologize in the first place is because there's people out there whose opinions that you cared about in this. A significant proportion of those people weren't buying it. So if you've just decided that you can do without whoever those people are, then knock yourself out and live your life. But Kevin Hart made the decision to play this corporate game. And I'm not like calling him a sellout or nothing like that. I mentioned the fact that it's corporate in the sense that when you are operating um like selling content on kind of a like a smaller level, the only thing that matters is the people who love you. When you are selling this for corporate, the opinions that matter are the people who don't really care about you. Those people at those margins. It's not the people who love you that dictate the course of your career. Like Kevin Hart's got a lot of people that love him and stuff like that. But he ain't getting in the movies that he's been getting in because of the people who love him. He's there because of the people who are like, yeah, he's cool. Yeah, let's go see that Kevin Hart movie. You know, that's why he's there. And if you want to like roll the dice on those people, then by God, knock yourself out, you know, but don't be mad about it. You made that call rather than just kind of give an apology that people felt was sincere or maybe one that's actually sincere. You're going to get mad about it. But I will tell you this. And this is something that as I've become like more of an adult has been just kind of interesting to note. Hey, man. People have a really hard time apologizing. I people have a really, really, really hard time saying that they were wrong. Just acknowledging that. As my man says it's too much pride. Like sometimes it's a matter of pride, but I also think sometimes that is more so born of an insecurity, I think. Like you gotta have a certain measure of confidence to be able to say i did something wrong and not feel like you are expressing i am a bad person but people really really struggle with apology and i think that in some of the response and all the people who got their capes on for kevin hart in this one i think you get a combination of people who respect like a refusal to apologize a refusal to back down on top of all the privilege and homophobia and stuff that comes there, because class is a privilege, man. One thing they love to do is express to the world, they don't give a damn. Like you ain't, and you ain't never going to take away their right. You're not going to make them give a damn. Like think about so many times the stories that come up about the hardship of black people or whatever, and how many of the answers that you receive about like in backlash to it is just really people explaining or trying to justify why it is that they don't give a damn. So like you care about the matter. They don't. You say you care. What they have to do as a result of that is to then talk about how this thing really doesn't matter. Because if that thing does matter and they don't give a damn, then what does it say about them? Yeah, you see what I mean? And I think that you got a part of that here with the Kevin Hart. thing. a lot of people really struggle to empathize with what gay folks go through. And I don't even know a struggle is necessarily the right word because I don't think they're trying. I really don't. We see the same thing happen with women. But for heart, it's just like, hey, man. like, And this is what got me about when I said it on Twitter and how fiercely people responded to me. I'm just telling you how to get this bread, homie. Like, I wasn't even really getting to the matter at hand. I'm just telling you how to get this bread. If you're going to get this bread, what you're going to have to do is talk to people as though you learn something or what it is. Because think about this. People like, well, I, well, you know, the Kevin Hart argument is that, well, I have changed from that many years ago. My question, what brought about this change? Because it's not like somebody checked you about these tweets. These tweets just came up and then you had to come up with an answer as, you know, as a result. What brought about this change? I'd be curious to know that. If you really did change, then you could use this as an opportunity to talk to other people and then thereby help them change. If that's really what it is, but it don't seem like that's really what it is. You know, so, hey, man, if he don't care about these people out here on this thing, then that's his right. Me, myself, personally, I don't think I'd be out here rolling the dice on my career and just in like reputation. This is the thing that you ain't about to back down on. I player, Do you. Appreciate the question. let me see what we got here. Do you think surviving R. Kelly will be the thing that finally gets him out the paint? Uh, yes. I don't even really know how squarely in the paint R. Kelly is right now, but that documentary, which, by the way, did huge rating numbers given the channel that it aired on, um, like I think it was like 2 million viewers or something like that on Lifetime. Like, I mean, it, it was a big number for that. Um, And so the point that I've made about R. Kelly, I think I made it maybe the last time we did this podcast is I am not one of those people who requires. I don't agree with the idea that consuming someone's content is the same thing as supporting them in some cases it certainly is in some ways it certainly is but not necessarily all right like if i listen to an r kelly song on spotify i'm not supporting r kelly i'm not putting any money in r kelly's pocket by doing that i may be ticking off another stream that comes up on the spreadsheet But I don't think that's the same thing as supporting R. Kelly. Like when I go to the grocery store, I don't think I'm supporting fine fare. Now we all got lines that we draw where there's something that happens and we decide that we're going to boycott something. That's just not, you know, just that's not something that we're going to do. And I'm with that. I think we all get to make decisions on those sorts of things. I don't tell nobody how they should or should not spend their money um, in that regard. But, I don't, I don't, I don't equate these things in the same ways that other people do. I don't need everyone that provides something for which I spend money to like forget being good people. It can work if they're bad. Like, I, I mean, I've I've long ago made peace with the fact that good things happen to bad people. You know, like. I have, so I'm not that tight. However, with R. Kelly, the dude is singing songs about this foul shit. Like, like, like that's like people are like I can separate the art from the artist. How the art is about the stuff you be out here doing. Like it is, there is no separation. Between those two things with him. Like, that's why I've been looking at folks on the R. Kelly thing. Like, how can you listen to seems like you're ready? Dog, you know what time it is. Seems like you're ready to go all the way. Oh, no, 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 no. Can't do that. Can't do that. No, sirree, Bob. Or think about this. Do you see the parallels between the way that his life is now structured and the creation of the Mr. Biggs character? Like he's basically like he's basically Mr. Biggs. Except in like a really terrible, foul way. So Like, if you can separate the art from the artist, I don't see how in this case. I have no idea how. But to the documentary itself, it was jarring in a lot of ways. And I was fairly familiar with with most of the stories that the documentary offered, because a lot of them you know, had been like put into print. I was not nearly as familiar with his ex-wife's story. I think that's the first time I'd ever recall hearing anything about her. Uh, but one thing that struck me was, Aaliyah is a year and a half older than me. Another thing, by the way, she's a year and a half older than me, and I'm not an R&B dude. So like keeping up on the comings and goings of Aaliyah and R. Kelly in real time wasn't really something that I was doing. Like I remember when the word got out that they had gotten married, but 94 is a little bit of a different time on something like that because like you hear it or you see it on television, but you don't really do a lot of follow up. And then people were acting like it didn't happen. You know what I mean? Like it was kind of great at that point when he married her and she was 15 years old but they showed a clip in that documentary of them on like video soul or one of those shows and they sitting with each other and they're wearing matching clothes and they're flirting with each other. And I'm like, yo man, I did not realize it was this obvious. Like I knew the age ain't nothing but a number part, but I didn't associate that with R Kelly necessarily. Right? Like I was at that age at the time. Like I was looking at it like, you know, like, asserting that you are far more grown than you actually are i did not realize how obvious all that stuff was in real time like this is crazy like i'm i'm really kind of shocked in watching that i'm like yo 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 we was cool with this like this was allowed to ride are you serious so anyway that was one thing that got me um And then we got to just kind of the particulars of the story. And there's something to be said for putting some like real human faces on it, because we just think of these people like the women themselves as victims. But, you know, a lot of this is family and some people that, you know, had been dealing with R. Kelly and. His whole steez and M.O. Like, there's no way that you could have watched any of that documentary and really been here for R. Kelly. What I think is going to wind up being the downfall for him with regards to this, though, is he's still going to have people who want to buy tickets to go to his concerts. There are still going to be people who love him, though they don't know him, and love his music. And a lot of them, I'd imagine, like the people that's really going to put a dent in R. Kelly's pockets, because I imagine live shows is really where his money's coming from. The people that are really going to put it, like, Those people didn't watch this. Like, I think a lot of them are still going to buy tickets. But I don't know how many venues are going to book them. Like, that's that's what it comes down to. Like, when the game shuts you down, it's when you can't book venues anymore. And I think it's going to become difficult for him to book venues. And if it isn't difficult for him to book venues, let me tell you where the problem is going to come up. When you go to that R. Kelly concert, it's gonna be people standing outside with signs, waiting for you. When you go to that R. Kelly concert, like somebody says, something about R. Kelly can play small venues. Hey man, I don't know exactly what R. Kelly's financial situation is, but I bet the way his the, the way his account is set up, that man need more money than small venues gonna give him. And even if it's a small venue. There's gonna be some shows where there's more people showing up to protest that dude than it is people trying to come in and listen to his music. Yeah, like I don't this I think this is a rap. That being said, it, with him being a it being a rap, like let's say it is a rap for him. This dude is like 50 years old. Like you do realize R. Kelly has had damn near a 30 year career. He got all his time. Like, if this is the end of his career, this is in line with Bill Cosby going to jail. Like, if his career ends for him at 50, that's like Bill Cosby going to jail at 80. Yeah. Like, he got his whole lifespan out of this. He absolutely got his whole lifespan out of this. But it's over. It is over. And good gracious. And one thing about this though, and this is something that I think I'm not the only person to have thought of, but I think this is something that's easy to forget. That cat is in there free over there, freaking out. He put that stuff on Facebook, like videos and having sex with that one girl to try to verify, you know, to to, to, to tell the world that what they had going um was consensual. They, you know, all this stuff now just coming out. I imagine that man is under a ridiculous amount of stress. I ain't saying that so you can empathize with him for it. I'm talking about that. as a statement of fact, like, it's like Trump. It don't matter whether you voted for Trump, how you feel about his politics, whether you think he right, wrong, whatever it is. The one thing we can all agree on is that man got to be dealing with all the stress. And that's the same thing with R. Kelly. Which is to say a man whom it seems is horribly abusive. With women in his home that are basically under his thumb that man is really stressed out. There are a lot of people to worry about if that man is really stressed out. Appreciate the question. Let's see what else we got here. Somebody came out here and said when you were growing up, which of your parents was the least likely to apologize to you for something they said or did? I ain't talking to you about my fucking parents. All right, I'll take this question. All right, here's the next one. After years of rumors and stories, why did it take so long for people to realize what R. Kelly has done? Okay, now, this, I think, is kind of a separate question from the documentary, but this is what I think, in part, happened here. And I think that this happens with folks a lot of times, though they are kind of selective when they allow that to happen. Um, One thing. The more high profile you are and the more privileged you are, the more likely people are going to reassert that innocent until proven guilty thing. And one thing I thought that documentary did a very good job of pointing out was the benefits that R. Kelly got from pushing that trial back and back and back and back and back and back and back until you really weren't thinking about it anymore. That, I think, is part of what happened. The other thing that I think happened, though, was that he was found not guilty. And a lot of times I think people look at a not guilty verdict and they kind of throw up their hands and they got to be like, all right, well, that's the breaks. You won. You know, we kind of got to act like what we think happened didn't happen. Now, I would like to note, O.J. Simpson is probably hearing me say that, and he's like, no one ever afforded me that benefit of the doubt. But I do think in other cases that is part of what happened there, right, is that. Now, another thing for me, I've never seen that tape. I was never interested in watching that tape. Um, So I don't have a grasp for how young the girl looked on the tape. You know, like I don't know just how jarring it was for people to have seen that tape because I, I, I just don't have that context. But I think I think that is a big part of it there is that he beat the case. Now, how many people at that time period were going in depth to find out why he beat the case, like what exactly it came down to? Like, I don't know how many, like, I doubt it was that many people. And I think this happens sometimes too. Everything with him just kept on going like business as usual. And you can wind up in a situation like you ever. All right. So let me give you a a different kind of example. So I got a homeboy who moved to Miami, right? And he was looking for a barbershop. He found a barbershop. It's Colombian dudes. They run a barbershop. And he get in there, and they just throwing the N-word around like crazy. And he's like, yo, this is not cool. This is not what I'm here for. But everybody was just doing it. So he figured it must have been, like, okay according to the rules. Because otherwise somebody would have shut this down. I think that kind of thing happened with this. Like this dude was still on the covers of magazines. He was still like playing big stuff. He was still all over the place. And so he could get away with it in part because it's never like he went into, had to go into any kind of exile or seclusion. Like he was kicking it like nothing was wrong. The industry around him was kicking it like nothing was wrong. And so if you ain't that close to it, you're probably thinking like, "That's no, wrong. Like, I actually had to remember, I did a conference call um, with for the trapped in the closet stuff. And this is also another thing I thought that the documentary did a great job of pointing out, was that with trapped in the closet and stuff like that, he leaned into the absurdity of his persona, and that allowed him to hide in plain sight. Like, he did all that crazy, goofy stuff. And so you wound up in a place where you didn't really take that dude seriously when he was dead ass serious, man. You know, so that's that's a lot of how he was able to do it. And the other part, man, people hate women. In the end, people hate women and believe that women serve at the mercy of the whims of men. And this guy Robinson says she wasn't a woman, though. Dumbass, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, somebody said he got off board. Uh, the R. Kelly thing with Ty-Ty hit him with that mace at the best of both worlds show. Um, I have seen people raise the question about whether the best of both worlds tour should have been mentioned in that documentary. And at first, I was like, I don't know if it necessarily fits with the narrative, and then I watched that episode and it did a couple things one i did think that it was a little bit wild that it wasn't mentioned given that they were selling the fact that um r kelly's career just kept on rocking like everything was cool it did him two jay-z albums and it was on a tour the other thing that i think is worth thinking about here that show where everything fell apart for the Best of Both Worlds tour. If I'm not mistaken, R. Kelly ran off the stage and was wilding, and because he said that he saw some people in the crowd that he thought were going to shoot him. Am I right about that? I'm pretty sure that's what he said. Okay. You know who is really afraid that somebody might shoot them? People that know damn well they've done some things they deserve to get shot for. Like that's real. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. Some dude says here, what's your age limit for dating? I won't date anyone below question mark. Obviously keeping it legal, but seeing a lot of discussions about dating age differences, even between adults in light of R. Kelly's transgressions. What? Uh, let me see, let me see, let me see. So is this the first step to artists, not just hip-hop, and R&B, or R&B artists, having to answer for the universal groupie lifestyle of the music star? Even if the women are grown, a lot of stars are abusing women who fall into their spell. Nah, this isn't that. Like, and, and here's why I say that this isn't that. Things that R. Kelly is accused of doing go so far past like treating groupies bad. And this dude basically got him locked up in his crib like on a cult type situation. This is way, 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 way past that. Way past that. Appreciate the question. Let's see what else you got. Does Jeff Bezos or Bezos, however you say it, have Nas by Baby on repeat right now? Um, you know, that song doesn't feel the same as it did when it came out, just for what it is. I don't know if you saw this, but a base, apparently uh, Bezos and his wife getting divorced. Oh, the half thing. Yeah, yeah. Bezos and his wife getting divorced, the uh, National Enquirer. Put it out there that apparently he had a mistress and he had been flying around the world to see her, you know, all these different cities or whatever it is. So here's the thing to me that man's worth $130 billion. $130 billion. He has donated no significant sum of money to anybody. In his belief, as I'm not if I'm not mistaken, has been to basically he just can't think of what he could do with his money that would really make a mark. All right, man, a man worth 130 billion dollars, he can't think about what to do where he would really make his mark. Like, don't forget a big part of why Jeff Bezos got more money than Bill Gates is Bill Gates gives so much money away. Um, anyway, so now he's getting divorced, and if his divorce based around the circumstances of him having another woman, he's gonna have to come off quite a bit, you know. So let's hypothetically say that it is half. Let's say he had to write her a check for $65 billion. It's not how it works, but let's just say he had to write her a check for $65 billion. That would not change that man's life one iota. One iota. He wouldn't notice a damn thing. Like, this is going to be something that teaches us a lot about just how personal divorces actually are. Right, a dude down here, George, about marriage is a scam. First of all, she married that dude before Amazon, so keep that in mind. Number two, yo, dummy. All he got to do is write the check and move on with his life. However, divorce is personal. People be out here fighting for every dime, not because of the money, but the principle, Smokey, the principle. For either of them to go to the mat about any of that money, y'all both just greedy. Y'all both greedy. You know? Like, in reality. Like, in reality. Let's say that man came and hollered at her and was like, yo, here's three billion dollars right here for you three billion dollars three billion dollars all the money in the world man yeah insulted I'd be if I was her if he only offered me three billion dollars and he got 130 me and you know what I bet he gonna wind up saying if he tried to write her a check for like two billion dollars or three billion dollars and he kept like the hundred other 130 billion dollars you know he would wind up saying do you understand how much you could do with $3 billion? Do you know how much good you could do for the world with $3 billion? But Jeff, I thought you said you ain't know what to do with your money. Saying about me right now. Saying about me. Somebody here talking about she's going to be at brunch with Elon Woods and Juanita Jordan. Dude, that money that those dudes had is so far away from this money that we're talking about right now. Elon Woods and Juanita Jordan can't pay the cover charge. For where you can go when you about to get half of 130. 130? What are you talking about? Like, do you realize the judgmental sneer that woman has whenever she looks at whatever shoes Juanita Jordan's wearing? She over there looking like looking at Elon, being like, Ah, yes. I remember my first billion. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. Oh, actually, I'm going to do this. This is, this is, let me find, let I can wrap up on this one because it allows me to tie into something else I had going today that I want to talk about. Yeah. My man says, should we just stop doing concerts at halftime and do something else? Imagine Dragons was awful. So like Imagine Dragons been a while, around for a while. And I feel like I'd always hear about them when there was like some kind of like award show or whatever it was. Like, you know, it's people like, I, like, like the American Music Awards for me, whenever I wind up watching it is always like such a great testament. To, like as I watch it to, like how much I don't really be paying attention to stuff. Like, is that Austin Mahomes dude still out here? Cause I turned on to like two different award shows in different years. And people were trying to talk to me about the Mahomes. And I was like, how is everyone here? Not ashamed of themselves. But anyway, I ain't going to say nothing bad about Imagine Dragons. It just ain't really my speed, but I feel like I heard all their songs and commercials before when they were on there. However, I also felt like the songs all sounded the same. Which brings me around to something I decided to do today. So today, I decided to listen to this album by Travis Scott called Astro World. And y'all have been telling me for the longest about how good Astro World was. And this dude had been going around and doing these shows and selling out houses and all of that stuff right there. But y'all swore to me, y'all come hitting me up and be like, oh, man, tell me about this. This guy, Jordan, who I swear is like 15 years old and you are going to get blocked from this room one day, son. I can already tell your question was stupid and the stuff you say in the chat room is even dumber. But. I am in no rush to listen to Travis Scott. I don't. I'm 38. I don't care about Travis Scott. So I get to it when I get to it. And so today I was like, hey, you know what? I'll listen to Astro World. And uh I hope you don't try to fight me cuz uh the songs all sound the same, Ike. The songs all sound the same. Like that record got so many songs. And then I got to the end and I was like, there's no way I just listen to however many of these songs you say it is. It's not. Songs all sound the same, Mike. And they're not bad. You know. Like, I I don't I don't think that it's bad, but I was like, man, these songs really, really do like sound remarkably similar uh to one another. Oh, I was just talking about Lil Wayne's decline came so fast. Oh, that's that Jordan dude again. Maybe Lil Wayne's decline came fast, but you do understand that Lil Wayne been rapping since I was in high school and I graduated 22 years ago. Yeah, it's possible that there was a whole life of Lil Wayne rapping that happened before your little bar mitzvah. He's not Jewish, but still, he looked like he could be 13 years old. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, Thanks so much for joining us here on The Evening Jones. We're going to try to get back to doing this thing more regularly. My man, Lance Gilliam, handles everything behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Remember, if you cannot watch The Evening Jones live, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe at the iTunes store. Subscribe at Stitcher Radio. Check us out at SoundCloud. Also, we're at the Google Play Store. Um, is that everything? Yeah, all right, close enough. Anyway, way, holler at y'all next, you know, soon. Take it easy.